You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello. Welcome in. This is Theology for the Rest of Us, and I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, recording from the great sunshine state of Florida. Thanks for listening. This is episode 171, and I'm going to be diving into the topic called complementarianism. Uh, We're going to be talking about gender roles and what I believe the most biblical uh, approach or perspective is when it comes to identifying gender roles. So we're going to get right to the topic. I'm not going to promo anything or talk about anything. I'm going to dive right in. And right off the bat, let me say that I understand there's going to be a segment of the population that when they listen to what I have to say in this episode are not going to like what I have to say. But but I, I must be honest. I must feel uh, I feel this burden to 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 share with you what I see in the scriptures and what I think the the most biblical approach to gender roles is. I also want to say right off the bat that I believe that women have been grossly oppressed throughout the, throughout the ages, right through all of human history. Women have been kept down, they've been oppressed, they've been made to feel inferior. Men have lorded over women. Men have have made themselves out to be superior. Um, and, and I think this has been the case for, for for all of human history in most parts of the world for a long time. And I think it still exists today, even in modern culture. You know, even here in, in North American culture, we would like to believe that we're progressive and liberated. But, but I think that women are, in some regards, still oppressed. I, I think there are certain genres of society in certain areas and arenas of, of our culture where women are still kept down to some extent. And I want to say, I think that is wrong. And if you are a man listening to this and you think that women are not valuable or you think you're better than women or you think you are superior to women, I want to tell you, you are wrong and your perspective is sinful. Women have been oppressed and kept down for ages, for, for many centuries, and it is wrong. And to every woman listening to this on behalf of, of the male uh, you know, species, I just want to say legitimately from the bottom of my heart, I am sorry. We as men have often not been what we ought to be. We have not often treated women the way they ought to be treated. And I think there are men that take certain truths, particularly within the church church culture, within church circles, there are men that take biblical truths and then they twist them. They take, they take things out of the Bible and they twist them as a means to oppress women or to push women down and make them inferior. And that is wrong. It is wrong to oppress women. And I think it's even worse to use the Bible in a twisted way to oppress women. That is even more wrong in so many regards. Again, I challenge all of us to take the scripture and to not twist it, but to try to allow the scripture to inform and govern our perspectives on gender roles. The second thing I want to say right off the bat is I do believe that genders are unique and different. It's not just uh, biology or anatomy, right? We do have different parts. We do have different genetic makeups. We do have different uh, hormones running through our body. But it's more than just that, right? It's not just ovaries and testicles. Like the, the differences between men and women is far greater than that. And there is a segment of the population in modern culture today that would like you to believe that all genders are the same. And I want to tell you, when we look at the scripture, we, that, that is not what we see. The genders are not the same. It is not just physical. It is emotional and it is spiritual. 
And that is because God created us that way. Now, why did God create us unique with two different genders? And why are there so many differences? Well, I think it's because God is trying to reflect the uniqueness of the Trinity. And within the Trinity, God created or God exists, excuse me, God exists in multiple persons. So God created the genders to be different. In the same way the Trinity works together in perfect harmony, God wants genders to do the same. And I talked about this extensively back in episode 78 when I answered the question, why is homosexuality a sin? I talked extensively about the gender differences and, and how God created unique genders uh, to work together and, and to function together in a complementary or homogenous manner to reflect the beauty of God. You can go back and listen to that episode 78. And some people ask, well, why did God only create two genders rather than three if there's three persons in the Trinity? Well, again, I, I don't think God was trying to make a perfect reflection, but in creating genders, he's trying to reflect elements of his own nature, specifically that there is uniqueness within the Godhead, but yet perfect unity. And God is wanting two genders to come together to be unique from one another, but to display perfect harmony and perfect unity. So in that way, as God designed and created genders to function, and as we do that well, we display the beauty and the character, uh, the characteristics and attributes of God. So with that said, what is complementarianism? Complementarianism is the philosophy that that men and women are created differently and distinct. We are very different in so many different ways, but that we can work together and complement one another perfectly. M much the way puzzle pieces do, right? If you take two puzzle pieces, they're going to be different from each other. They're going to look different. They're going to be in a different shape. But when you put them together, they they bring out the picture. And in fact, a puzzle piece by itself cannot show the whole picture. But when the puzzle pieces come together and perfectly unite, they are different. But when they come together, they show you the whole picture in the same way. Individual gender does not show us the whole picture of who God is. But when genders come together, when the two genders that are unique and different come together, they can together uh, demonstrate the whole picture of God in a beautiful way. And that's not just in marriage. I'm talking about just in life. When men and women can work together and complement one another, it, it shows us the whole picture of who God is in a beautiful way. And so I think men and women are created differently. Now, men and women are created equally in value, right? Both men and women are both equally valuable, but they are not equal in their design and their role. And now again, some men and women within the genders, there are differences, right? Not all men are created the same. Not all women are created the same. There are differences and there's a scale, so to speak, a diversity within the genders. But overall speaking, you know, kind of 10,000 foot view, broad strokes, the genders kind of have a role to play. And again, it, it, it shapes out differently in each individual circumstance with each person, within each marriage. But overall, men have a specific role to play and women have a specific role to play. Overall, men are called to lead in the way Christ would call them to lead. And in this and in one regard, women are called to influence and serve alongside of men and to submit to male leadership in a way that would honor Christ. Now, I know I just offended a bunch of people when I said that. As soon as I use that word submit, boom, I know there's a lot of people that get frustrated. But just hang with me. Just listen all the way through. And at the end of the episode, you still hate me. Feel free to shoot me uh, a mean email. I'll be glad to respond to that. Let me give you a couple uh, examples, and these are, they're, they're very inadequate examples, but they're the best metaphors I can come up with. One example would be uh, in football, 
There's the quarterback, that's the guy who has the football and throws the football. And then there's the wide receiver, the guy who is running and catching the football, right? Someone is throwing the ball, someone is catching the ball. They do very different things. They are not the same. They stand in different places. They have different perspectives. They have different skill sets, right? They are created differently, but yet they can. They, they are each equal value of equal value. If a team doesn't have a quarterback, the team can't win any games. If a team doesn't have a wide receiver, it can't win any games, right? They are both of equal value, but they have a different role to play on the team. Another sports analogy would be in baseball, right? The pitcher pitches the ball. The catcher catches the ball. They stand in different places. They see the field from different perspectives. They do different things. And their talents and natural designs will cause them to be good at one and not the other, right? There's a there's a different demand, a different expectation from the pitcher than the catcher. But they are both of equal value. That's important to remember. And in the same way, when it comes to gender roles, men have a role to play. Women have a role to play. Those roles are different. Now, there's a lot of overlap in a lot of arenas of life, for sure. But overall, there's a different expectation upon men than there is on women. And God God has created men to do a certain thing. God has created women to do a different certain thing, right? That's ultimately what God is calling the genders to do, but to work together in perfect harmony and unity and to love one another. Now, just like in my football and baseball analogy, the players on a team, they will have collaborative conversations. It's not just the pitcher making all the decisions, and it's not just the quarterback making all the decisions. They have collaborative conversations on their team, and they make decisions together. But ultimately, there are going to be moments where there needs to be a captain of the ship. There needs to be someone to make the final call. That's what the quarterback does on a football field. Before the before the game, the, the wide receiver and the quarterback, they sit in meetings and they dialogue and they they have collaborative conversations and they make decisions together and in fact on a sports team when you're going into a game most of the decisions you're ever going to make have already been made before the game starts and you made those together 50 50 having conversations in a room together right but every now and then you get in the heat of the moment you get there there's, there's a there's a there's a, a an action or a play on the field where where someone's got to make the decision and ultimately it's the quarterback's call to determine where he's going to throw the ball and when he's going to throw the ball and it's the wide receiver's job to catch the ball and to submit to whatever decision the quarterback has made that that's ultimately and I wish I had a better metaphor for this is the only one I could come up with but but in life that's similar when men and women are working together particularly in marriage and in church in church structure in church leadership it is that it is their responsibility to collaborate together and make decisions together 50-50 right to, to influence one another and to challenge one another but ultimately there're going to be some decisions that arise certain moments where someone's going to have to make the final call and it's not necessarily going to be as collaborative there's going to be moments where that arises and where and I believe that it is and it is God's call on men in those moments to make the decision in a way that honors Christ. And it is God's design on a woman to submit to that decision that a man has made in that moment in a way that honors Christ. Now, this doesn't apply out to every single man and woman. I mean, speak to men for a moment. Women are called to submit to their husbands, not to every man. Okay, So if a woman you're working with okay, is, is not your wife, she is not expected to submit to you. I want to make that very clear. Men somehow think that all women should submit to them all the time. That's baloney. That's stupid. I want to challenge every man. Expel that from your brain because it's a dumb way to view the world, okay? And flat out, it's oppressive and it's sinful. So stop viewing the world that way. Um, So not every case, okay? The the case where women and men 
end up complementing one another in, in the most ideal fashion is in marriage and in church polity or church leadership. In marriage, a husband and a wife ought to collaboratively make decisions together. They ought to dialogue. They're to be a team. They're, they're equal value, right? But there's going to be moments where someone needs to chart the course, where someone needs to be the captain. It's inevitably, inevitably going to happen. In those moments, it is the man's responsibility to chart the course, to make the decisions, and to do it in a way that honors Christ. Well, how does it honor Christ? When we look at Ephesians chapter 5, we see the Apostle Paul challenging men to lay down your life for your wives as Christ laid down his life for the church, or to love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did Jesus do? He sacrificed his life. He condescended himself. He gave up all for the, for the, uh, to, to, in a, to rescue and to, for the betterment of the church. Well, husbands, you're responsible for that. As the leader, you're responsible to be the one that sacrificed first, right? You are the one that's called to lay down your life for the betterment of your wife. Now, as a as a husband, as a man, you do have certain uh, opportunities and privileges to be the one that captains the ship in, in certain moments and to chart the course overall. But your primary responsibility in those moments is to make a decision for the betterment of your wife, not for you. When it comes to who's the first one to apologize, who's the first one to sacrifice, who's the first one to give up what they want, men, that is you. That is your role. So it's not just calling the shots. I think sometimes we misunderstand complementarianism to mean, well, men get to call the shots. No, no, no. Men, you get to be the first to lay down your life. That's what Jesus calls you to do. And there are moments, there are moments where you have the opportunity to make decisions and to be the primary decision maker, but... Those moments need to have your wife's influence and opinion. You, you should have, be having collaborative conversation and listening to your wife's opinion. Listen, men, if you're not listening to your wives on a regular basis, there's, there's, things are not going to go well for you. Women are brilliant and they have great perspectives and you ought to value what she is saying. Men, I would also tell you this, just to go back to our football and, and baseball analogies, that, that the quarterback and the pitcher end up getting a lot of the credit when, there's team, when their teams win and they end up getting a lot of the blame when, there's te- when their teams lose. My recommendation would be to give away all of the credit, but to keep all of the blame. You see, being complementarian means that I believe that men are the ones to, to, to when they get the praise, to heap it on their, on their wives or in the women in their life. Pass the, the credit, pass the, the good, but they're the ones to bear the brunt. See, men, we're not just physically stronger. In general, men are physically stronger than women, but I, but I believe that God didn't create a stronger just, just to open the jar, right? When, you're, when your wife is cooking and she needs someone to come open the pickle jar, that's, that's, not, that's not your only role as, a stronger, as the stronger gender. Our role as a stronger gender is to bear the brunt, right? To bear the burden. So when blame comes your way, Take it and don't pass it on. When burden comes your way, hold on. Be the one that bears the brunt and protect your wife and the women in your life from from bearing the the brunt of of blame or hard situations. Certainly women are going to be a part of that. Certainly they're going to experience some of that. Certainly they ought to be in the know, right? But, But as men, we should be looking for ways to pass the credit, to take the blame. We should be looking for ways to help the women in our lives flourish and to bear the burdens as much as possible because I believe that is one of the things God has called men to do.
being a complementarian doesn't mean you get to be the boss. Being a complementarian means you get to be the one that lays down your life, listens to her opinion, values her opinion, and you get to be the one that throws the ball so that she can score the touchdowns, right? See, back to my metaphor when it comes to quarterback and wide receiver. The quarterback throws the ball, the wide receiver catches the ball, and the wide receiver is typically the one that's going to score the touchdown. Men, you have the opportunity to lead your family and your wife in such a way where she can score the touchdowns, where she can do great things and accomplish and achieve great things. She should be flourishing and doing well and looking good because of your leadership. And if a woman is struggling in accomplishing or achieving or being a great Christian and and, and kind of flourishing in her own emotional well-being and flourishing in her own spiritual life, if that's not happening in a woman's life, it's because her husband is not leading her well. Men, I challenge you to lead that lead in that way. That's the way Christ would call us to lead. And then the same comes to church leadership. When it comes to the church, there should be men and women involved in roles in leadership. Both men and women ought to be serving in ways that are leading the church, having influence on how the church functions, having influence as to how God is or how we are seeking to implement the will of God and what God is calling us to do in our particular communities, in our particular local contexts. Men and women both have very important valuable roles to play. However, there's going to be moments, there are going to be certain situations that God calls upon the men to lead, to chart the course, to make the decision. And again, men should be doing the same thing. The, the leadership of the church, when it comes to male leadership, should be doing the same thing for women when it comes to that touchdown analogy, right? That the men of the church, the male leaders, should be serving the females of the church in such a way where they can flourish, where they can achieve, where they can accomplish, where they can look good, where things can be happening, where they can be involved in ministry and God could utilize their gifts and talents. You see, too often, complementarianism has led to women not serving in the church at all and having no leadership and no influence, and their gifts are not being used. And you have all these women with great God-ordained gifts and talents not being used in those women. And that is a shame. That is a crime. It's a sin. It's oppression. And I would challenge church leaders, church elders to really, really look and say, are we making decisions in such a way? Are we leading our church in such a way that the women are doing great things and they're highly involved and they, they have great influence on what's going on and they are a huge part of our church having a massive positive impact on our community? Are the women highly involved in such a way where they are intricately involved in the in the, the mission that God has called our church to accomplish and our local community. Listen, if you're a male leader and the women in your church are not being used in that way, I will tell you the male leadership in your church have failed. So again, complementarianism is the idea that men and women are of equal value, but they are not designed the same. And therefore they are called to different things, called to different roles. They do different things within both marriage and within church leadership. They both have great value and much to offer, but they ought to be offering their talents and their giftings in different ways or unique ways. Now, there are some times where men are going to do things that a woman could easily do and vice versa. There are going to be times where a woman is going to do something that a man could easily do, right? Sometimes it's not going to look very complimentary, right? Sometimes it's going to look very egalitarian, right? Meaning that they're doing the same thing. But sometimes it's not. And I think complementarianism is not the idea that men and women always have to do different things, but just overall speaking, when we come to understanding church leadership, when we're determining what, 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 
person should be doing what, we ask ourselves, who ought to be doing this? Is this ideal for a man or this ideal for a woman? And in most cases, in most cases, it doesn't matter. In most cases, both a man and a woman can do that. As I said earlier, in most cases, it is 50-50. It's collaborative. Both genders are going to be equally a part of it. That's how it should be functioning both in marriage as well as in church structure and church polity. But there are certain moments, certain responsibilities that God calls for men to do and certain responsibilities that God calls for women to to do. And again, those are pretty rare. I'll say this again. I know this will be the third time I'm saying it. I just I feel like I need to just reiterate it because I think so that can so this can so often be misunderstood. Most of the time when God is calling his church to do something, calling people to to take on certain roles and responsibilities, in most cases, it can be fulfilled by both by either a man or a woman. And in many cases, there should be both men and women stepping into those roles. All right, but there are there are moments where God is calling men to do certain things, not because women can't do it, but because God is preferring for men to do it, and, and vice versa. There are moments where God is calling women to do things, not because men can't do it, but because God prefers it that way. Right, and so what I'm going to do in future episodes, I'm going to cover specifically what are some of those specific things. I promise, I I'm not going to just step. I know that people are asking. It feels like you're just kind of giving us very ambiguous. You're kind of sidestepping some of the important questions, right? Um, like women in ministry and what women should or shouldn't do, or should they be pastors? Should they be preaching? I know that question comes up often, um, but but I didn't want to get into that in this episode. I wanted to just specifically focus on the the overarching philosophy of complementarianism because I want to make sure that that was understood and give people the opportunity to kind of just hear my thoughts on that. Complementarianism is the idea that men and women are of equal value, but are distinct and unique from one another in the type of things that God is calling us to do. That there are moments when God is calling us to do the same thing, but moments where God is calling us to do very different things. And, and that that while we are of equal value, we play a different role. And that occasionally there's going to be moments where someone needs to step in and make the, the, the decision. Someone needs to be the, the primary captain, the primary decision maker who, who charts the course and that God is calling men to do that, but to do it in such a way that honors the women in your life and that sets them up to win, to be successful and to flourish. And if, the, is there, if there's a man or if there are a group of men leading in such a way that the women are not flourishing, then their leadership is not biblical and it is not honoring Christ. Men and women are different, unique, drastically different, in fact, in so many different ways. But we are of equal value and we ought to be working together to complement one another so that together we will demonstrate the whole beauty, the whole picture, and the whole character and nature and attributes of the Godhead. When we work in complementary fashion, when we work in unity, God uses us to demonstrate his whole self in a profound and beautiful way. Now, the opposite view of complementarianism is this idea called egalitarianism, and I'll cover that in a future episode, I promise, and that's the idea that men and women are called to equal roles, that it has nothing to do with their gender, has to do with uh, purely their skill set and and their personalities that, you know, in some marriages, the man's going to lead in some marriages, woman's going to lead in some marriages, it's going to be perfectly 50-50, you know, it's really going to be case by case, that, that, that gender basically has no role to play in determining what roles we play in marriage and in church leadership, and that there's that there's nothing a man 
can't do. There's nothing a woman can't do. Everything should be completely equal all the time. That's the kind of the overarching perspective of a gal- uh, of being of egalitarian or egalitarianism. And, and that is a perspective that I do not believe is biblical. I will cover that in a future episode and kind of why I believe that is not the, uh, the ideal perspective that God would want us to have. I do believe that God created genders differently uniquely to create to to work with one another just like within the trinity the three members of the trinity are unique they're distinct from one another they're different they have different roles to play within the trinity uh, the father charged a course the son submits to the father the holy spirit executes upon the wills of the father and honors the son they are always glorifying one another they are always in love with one another they're always honoring one another they are always seeking to help the other flourish and to accomplish the vision but ultimately they have different roles to play and when they perfectly come together in unity there is there is a whole picture that we see and that we as genders men and women have the opportunity to come together and display precisely what we see happening within the members of the godhead amongst the members of the trinity that was a long, long diatribe, a long spiel, I know, uh, but ultimately I believe complementarianism is the most biblical view, and I do believe that overall complementarianism has been uh, misunderstood by a lot of people and has been twisted by many men um, to oppress women. That's not that's not complementarianism. If you're, if you're oppressing women and women are not being vitally used in your church, if women's voice are not uh, heard, if their influence is not felt in your church or in your marriage, then that you don't have a complementarian relationship. You have an oppressive relationship. And I would encourage you, I would challenge you, I would beseech you to prayerfully and intentionally make some changes immediately so that the women in your life will flourish. That's my hope for every church and for every marriage. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I know this is a highly sensitive and controversial subject in a lot of ways. My hope and prayer is that this episode has been helpful and insightful. If you have a question about anything I've said or you want me to kind of uh, to to kind of elaborate in a future episode, please feel free to shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. I promise we're going to do we're going to do several episodes uh, around the topics of gender roles and, and women in leadership. And if there's any specific things that you want me to cover or to elaborate upon as I do those episodes, feel free to shoot me an email. I'd love to uh, you know address anything that you've got on your mind. The email address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Reminder, the best way to connect with me is on Twitter. You can find me at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Also, if you're a big podcaster, check out my other podcast. It's called the Student Ministry Podcast. It's designed for church leaders and anyone seeking to invest in the lives of youth and young adults. Check it out. You can find it on the web at studentministrypodcast.com. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. (laughs) 